0: Turn to two passages of Scripture, Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. If this is one of your first times here, we're glad you're here. And we're going to go through a lot of Scripture in the message. And I'll normally give you two passages to turn to. The first one, Acts chapter 2, is where we'll begin. And then please put a marker at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we'll flip over there in a moment, all right? We're going to continue our series entitled The Wealth of a Word. And we're talking about how important words are. And I hope you remember we've had a couple of breaks in here. We had the Global Ministries Conference last week. Dr. Michael Brown, great message. A few weeks before that had Pastor Jimmy Evans, the family conference, great message. But I hope you're not uh, losing what the Holy Spirit is doing in you as we're talking about words and about the mouth. I just want to remind you, when we talked about the sins of the mouth, you were all very quiet that day. Just want to remind you about that, okay? So we're talking about this. We're talking about how that we can speak good words, how we can speak words of life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. How can we speak life? That's what we want to talk about. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about submitting our tongues to the Holy Spirit, submitting our mouths to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about today the language of heaven. We're going to talk about praying in a prayer language, and what does the Bible say about it? I know there's a lot of controversy about this subject. I understand that, but I just want to ask you something. Why is there so much controversy about this subject? Just think about it for a moment. If you were the devil, and I know you're not, this is just an illustration, (laughs) but you have to understand that truth is being restored to the church, and it began with the Reformation. There were the dark ages, and for many hundreds of years, the church was in a very dark period because we took the Bible out of the hands of the people. And the Reformation came, and one of the truths, the first truth that was restored to the church was justification by faith. And since that time now, for the past 200 years, there have been truths being restored to the church. They've always been true, but the church lost them through the ages. One of the truths that's being restored is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, the personal walk and relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. This was restored around the turn of the 20th century in a a revival called Azusa Street Revival. There have been outpourings since then when the Holy Spirit has again, again restored these things. 1948, the latter rain movement in the 70s, the charismatic renewal, learning about the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about something, though, all right? When this truth about the power of the Holy Spirit was restored to the church, if you were the devil, would you try to get controversy around this subject? When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people got saved the first day, 5,000 the second day. And now this truth is being restored to the church. If you were the devil, would you be upset about it? Would you do everything you could to get people to be controversial about it? And then the truth, along with this, of a prayer language, a personal prayer language where your spirit can pray to God, part of the armor of God, and it builds you up. And here's a language that believers can pray in that will build them up and strengthen them. If you were the devil, would you try to get controversy around this? Sure you would. So let's see what the Bible says. It really doesn't matter what you heard. What matters is what the Bible says. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost means 50th. 50th. That's all it means. It's the 50th day after Passover and it was a feast. So on this specific feast day, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, or different, diverse types of tongues, as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now stay in Acts 2, because we'll come back to it in a minute. I'm going to show you a few more verses. But let me explain to you. This is when 120 Jews were in an upper room, and they'd been praying for 10 days. Jesus told them, make sure that you don't leave Jerusalem until you get this. Don't go witness to one person until you get this. Because when you get this, you're going to have power to be witnesses. But you don't have the power until you get it. So you make sure you wait until this comes. Because when he comes, you're going to have the power that you need. So they're waiting. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. They begin speaking in tongues. All right? Now... Later, after that, Peter takes some Jews with him and he begins preaching to the Gentiles because the Holy Spirit gives him a vision. Most of us here are Gentiles. And that's when the gospel came to Gentiles. Let me read that to you. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed, that's the Jews who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter that accompanied him to that meeting because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Many people have said the only place that tongues has happened in the Bible is Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit first came. No, here's Acts 10, and it happens again. By the way, it says they were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Let me be very clear about what the gift of the Holy Spirit is. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Not tongues. It is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. If I were going to give you the gift of this watch, hey, I want to give you, uh, Pastor Brady, the, this watch. I wouldn't... No, no, I'm just kidding. He started to get up. Um... <laughs> Just, just a joke, just a joke. Um, if I were going to give him the gift of the watch, I wouldn't give him the second hand. I wouldn't give him part of the watch, I'd give him the whole watch. But the second hand's included. You understand? The gift of the Holy Spirit, it's like saying, I'm going to give you a pair of shoes, and I only give you the tongues of the shoe, you know? It's the whole shoe, but the tongues come too. That's part of it. But the gift of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, all right? So the Gentiles get it. Now, years later, years later, we know Paul spent at least 13 years in Antioch before he went on his first missionary journey. And he's out preaching the gospel now, years after the day of Pentecost, years after the Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit. And he comes to Ephesus and he finds some believers in Jesus and we'll look at the scripture a little more next week because we're going to talk next week about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But he finds these disciples and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? I said, we had not even heard about the Holy Spirit. And so he tells them about the Holy Spirit. And then verse 6, Acts 19, verse 6. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. This is years later. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there's some things that I want to tell you about this language, all right? Number one, it is a language. Number one, it is a language. We need to understand that. If you're still in Acts 2, verses 5 and 6, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were speaking in tongues, but they heard them in a language. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, i become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. We know 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. He's trying to get us to walk in love. But he says, even though I speak with the tongues, and this word tongues is glossolalia, which we get our word glossary, which means the language. Even though I speak with the language of men and of angels. Even though I speak with the language of men and of angels, is it possible the tongues is the language of heaven? It's the language of angels. Here's the greatest apostle that says, listen, you got to have love. And I want you to know that I speak in two languages and, but you got to have love. So he's telling us, we got to have love, but he's saying, I speak with the language of men and I speak with the language of angels also so it's a language now since it's a language let me ask you some questions when a, when a child begins speaking whatever language that he is, is, is learning english or spanish or french or wherever he's growing up in the world when a child begins speaking a language does he speak it fluently the first day does he speak it perfectly? Is he, is his enunciation correct the first day? Does he have a full vocabulary the first day? How, how many of you here have learned a second language? Can I see your hand, you've learned a second language. Great. Did you speak that second language perfectly and fluently and have a full vocabulary the first day? Did you? No. Because you learned that language. Now listen to me. This is what I want to tell you. There are some myths about tongues that we need to blow away. The first myth is, is that when you get it, you get it perfectly and fluently and you have the full vocabulary. No. It is a language and it is a language that you learn. And when you start, you think about it, when your children start speaking and they mispronounce words, when your your babies or your or your grandbabies, when they start saying words and they mispronounce them, does it make you angry? No, as a matter of fact, it's one of the cutest things you've ever heard. Isn't it? Matter of fact, you go tell other people, you know what my grandbaby said the other day. And we really don't want to hear here, but anyway. <laughs> it's cute to you. Listen to me, listen to me. When God's children start speaking in the heavenly language, it's the cutest thing he's ever heard. It doesn't matter how it sounds to you. It doesn't matter. We're going to see later where Paul said, you're not going to understand it. You're never, your mind is never going to understand this. You have to do it by faith like everything else in the Christian world. By faith. So when you start speaking a language, you don't speak it fluently. Our children, they mispronounced words. Our, our son used to call the glove compartment the glove department. And he called it that for years. We couldn't get him to, we'd say compartment. You know, he'd say, look in the glove department. It's just because it's the way he heard it the first time. James used to mispronounce lots of words and and didn't matter what we tried to do. And uh, another thing with James is he, I'll tell you one story where he mispronounced a word, but he, he uh, James used to like to collect bugs. And I don't know why, I don't know why some children just, they're fascinated by bugs, you know. And he'd find a a bug, and different bug, and he always wanted to show us bugs that he found, you know. And so one day he comes running in the house, mommy, 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 you know. And so you, you just, what, what, what? And he opens his hand and he says, trip it. Now, when he opened his hand, the cricket that had been trapped was free and so he jumped and who do you think he landed on <laughs> mommy now let me explain something about mommy okay mommy doesn't like to collect bugs mommy doesn't like bugs mommy hates bugs we've got her in counseling over it. she absolutely hates bugs she will not witness to bugs she wants all bugs to go to hell So this is a funny story in our family, and everyone enjoys it except mommy, you know. So, but the point is he said trit it. He didn't say cricket, he said tritit. You know why? Because he was learning a language and he didn't speak it fluently from the first. But it was cute to us. We didn't correct him, it's fine because it's wonderful. This is a language that you're going to learn. That's one myth about it. Let me tell you another myth about this language, that you can't control it. That you can't control I mean, it's just going to pop out of you. One day, it's just going to pop out of you. You're going to be at Kroger's at the deli counter trying to order some meat. And it's just going to pop out of you and you're not going to be able to control it. You're going to have to run out to your car and hide your face. Is there any gift, any other gift like that? No, why would we think this gift is like that? There, there's no other gifts. It's, it's not like, you know, you hear some guy say, you know, I was praying for the gift of teaching. And I've been praying and praying for the gift of teaching. And the other day I was at Chuck E. Cheese. And I just started teaching. And I just started teaching. I've been praying for it. Now, listen to me. If you have the gift of teaching, the first time you taught, it was bad. I just want you to know that. You might have thought it was good, but it was bad. Why? Because you learn in a gift. You grow in a gift. Why would we not think that we learn and we grow in this gift also? Why is this gift any different? You know, I I was praying for the gift of prophecy. The other day I was in uh, Cinemark. And in the movie, I just um, prophesied the whole theater. And I couldn't control it. No, you can control it. You can control prophecy. You can control serving. You can control leading. You can control tongues. Don't think you can't control it and that it's just going to pop out of you one day. You know, the other day I was at church and I, I I I was leaving church and I walked by the offering box and a dollar just popped out of my pocket into the offering box. Just jumped out. And I said, look there, honey, I got the gift of giving. I've been praying for the gift of giving and now I got it because, see, it just just came out of me. No, you're going to have to put some effort in it, aren't you? If you want to be a giver, you've got to write the tithe check. you got to do it. And by the way, you've got to do it by faith. And can I tell you something? Your mind will never understand it. Your mind will never understand how 90% can go farther than 100%. But you do it by faith. It's the same thing with praying in a prayer language. You do it by faith. It is a language. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about this language. It is a language of the Spirit. It is a language of the Spirit. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 2 says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, now this is all about speaking in tongues, and I want you to notice these three words, in the Spirit, they're very important. In the Spirit, when he's speaking in tongues, he's speaking in the Spirit. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. No one understands him. Because why? Because it's a language of the Spirit. The Spirit understands it. Look Now, look at verses 14 and 15. And if if you're still memorizing verses, put these on a note card and memorize them. These are the the crux of the whole message. If you miss everything today, get these two verses, all right? Chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. It's got to be referring to tongues because it's what he just talked about. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit or in tongues and I will sing with the understanding. Now, look at this very, very carefully. You have to catch these verses. Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, it's my spirit. Let's pray, but my understanding is unfruitful. Your understanding is your mind. Your mind is part of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He says, you're not, you're not going to understand it in your mind. You are never going to understand it in your mind. Never. You're not going to understand it. Now you can pray for an interpretation. That's what it says right before. Let him who prays in tongue, pray that speaks in tongue, pray that he may interpret, but your mind's not going to understand the process. So he says, what's the conclusion then? What's the, what's the result of what I just said? Here's what he said. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray with the Spirit in tongues. And I'm going to pray with my understanding. Now listen to me carefully. When you pray, here's what he said. When I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Now, when he prays with understanding, what's praying? His soul. See, your mind, your understanding is part of your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now listen to me very carefully. Some of you have only prayed soulish prayers. You've only prayed with your understanding. You've never prayed with the Spirit's understanding. And do you think it's possible that the Spirit's understanding of the situation might be higher than yours? Why just pray with your soul? Why not let your spirit pray? You understand, after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't, I didn't speak in tongues. I prophesied when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Debbie spoke in tongues when she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I prophesied. And I had this thing built up in my mind for, uh, that for years. I had it built up that that's of the devil. Of the devil. How in the world, how in the world could we have ever preached that a gift of the Holy Spirit is of the devil? You talk about being so far off. And I had this built up. And then... After months of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and asking God, Lord, let it pop out of me. Let it pop out of me. Give it to me. Give it. I, I want it. I mean, you don't know how many people tell me, Oh, I want it, but I've never got it. Well, you've got to start. You've got to do it. You're going to have to open your mouth and move it and utter sounds and allow the Holy Spirit to use your tongue. It's called submitting your tongue. And I just thought it was going to be the supernatural thing. And one morning, Debbie and I were getting ready for church, and Debbie had this smile on her face, kind of a goofy grin, and I couldn't figure it out. And I said, what are, you, what are you smiling about? She said, oh, nothing. No, you're you something. What are you smiling about? Nothing. Finally, I said, please tell me what you're smiling about. She said, well, I don't want to embarrass you. I said, well, tell me anyway. What are you smiling about? And she said, well, last night I couldn't sleep. And I went in the living room, read, the, read my Bible for a while. When I came back into the bedroom, she said, well, I, I heard you. I said, you heard me what? She said, well, praying in tongues. I said, what, what do, you, what do you, say? She said, well, you were praying in tongues. I heard you. Apparently you couldn't sleep. So you were praying in tongues and I heard you. No, I was asleep. I, I, I said, tell me the truth. Are you, are you telling me, are you making this? Are you telling me the truth? I was praying in tongues last night. Here's the, here's what it was. My mind had built up such a resistance against it. And my spirit wanted to pray so bad. It had to wait till I went to sleep. And while I'm asleep, my spirit is saying, Lord, I know he prayed about this, but that's really not the right thing to pray about. Let me pray. Let me tell you what. This is what he means. This is what he needs to pray about. Why would you be praying with just your understanding? Here's the Bible. The Bible says, Paul says, when I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays. Let your spirit pray. Let your spirit pray. But you're going to have to submit your mouth. You're actually going to have to be foolish enough in your prayer time. To open your mouth and to start speaking syllables. And listen, I'm telling you, your mind will say, this is crazy. Because your understanding is unfruitful. Does not understand it. But you have to do it like any other gift. You have to do it in faith. You have to give in faith. You have to teach in faith. When you give a prophecy over someone, you have to give it in faith. And when you pray in a prayer language, you're going to have to do it in faith. It is the language of the Spirit. By the way, um, have you ever, do you know about the armor of God? Do you know you're supposed to put on the armor of God? Do you know where where the armor of God is found? Anyone remember? Ephesians 6. Okay. Do you know what the armor is? If I said, can you list the armor for me? Could you list it for me? Now, some of you say, well, let's see. It's a belt. Uh, It's uh, something about your feet. Uh, Helmet. Helmet and sword. It's a sword and it's a... Okay. Most people, when they talk about the armor of God... Leave out the last verse and it's part of the arm too. Now, let me just read it to you. Watch this. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Notice the word whole, not just part of it, because you'll be in trouble if you only get part of it on that. You may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Anyone here want to stand against the schemes of the devil? And then in case you don't want to stand, he wants you to know what you're up against. Verse 12 is a scary verse if you don't understand God's spirit. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now watch what we do wrestle against. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Bad dudes. We're wrestling against really bad dudes. Therefore and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying. praying. Notice it doesn't stop. I used to stop there. I memorized this passage years ago, and I stopped at verse 17. But it doesn't stop. Watch verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. What are the next three words? In the Spirit. We just read, when I pray, when a person speaks in tongues, he's speaking in the spirit when I pray with tongues, I'm praying in the spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Listen, part of the armor of God is praying in the spirit. Is it possible that you're losing some battles because you're not putting on the whole armor of God? OK, so it's a language of the spirit. Here's the third thing I want to tell you about it. It's a language that builds us up. It is a language that builds us up. Jude, verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying... Can you read those last four words for me? In the Holy Spirit. According to this verse, how do you build yourselves up on your most holy faith? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're still in 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 4. Now, let me explain to you, too, by the way, he's correcting some things about tongues in this passage. He is writing a corrective passage here. First Corinthians 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now let's talk about that verse for a moment. First of all, the word but is in the New Testament hundreds of times, this Greek word. It's a conjunction. 90% of the time it's translated and. So I just want you to think about it in, in those contexts, 90% of the time, and it's up to the translators where they put and or but, 90% they put and. In other words, he who prays, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself or builds himself up, and he who prophesies builds up the church. Let me explain something to you. There's nothing wrong with building yourself up. Now, the reason they translated it but was because he was trying to correct something. When they came together, they were speaking in tongues all the time to each other. And that's why he started, we read a moment ago in verse 2, when he said, when someone does speak in tongues, he's not speaking to men. No one understands him. He's speaking to God. So he says, when you come together, and especially later in the chapter, he says, and unbelievers are present, don't greet people in tongues. They, They can't understand what you're saying anyway. If you're going to do a gift in the church, prophesy, because the whole church will be edified. But let me tell you what speaking in tongues does. It edifies you. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with edifying you. There's nothing wrong with building yourself up. We just read that if you want to build yourself up in the faith, you need to pray in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, look at verse uh, 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Let's stop. Is this the Bible? Uh, who, who wrote this in 1 Corinthians? No. Good. (laughs) Paul penned it, but the author is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. You know, that just hit me so strongly, I think I could just just stop right there. What are you going to do? Wish means desire. If the Holy Spirit desires you speak in tongues, I think you ought to get over it. Whatever your hang-ups are, you ought to get over them. If the Holy Spirit says, "I I wish you did, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, I understand there's a but, and we're going to get to that. But you can't throw this phrase out. I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Now watch this. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Why? Because he's trying to get them to edify the church. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless... Unless. I used to have people quote this to me. You know, the Bible says he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. And I'd all every one of them, every one of them I'd say, but the sentence doesn't end there. What's the rest of the sentence? Every one of them would say. Every one of them said, I don't know. Well, this is it says, unless, unless, unless. Indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. In other words, a one who speaks in, and a prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless, unless the tongue's interpreted, then it's equal. It's not greater anymore. Now it's equal because the church gets edified. But this is building yourself up. This is like lifting weights in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is building yourself up. It's like your spirit lifting weights. You could do it. You should do it every day. Someone said, you know, someone said me one time, Pastor, you mean to tell me you pray in tongues? Here's, here's my answer. You mean to tell me you don't? You, uh, there's something in the Bible that builds you up, that that, that, allows, your, that your spirit, allows your spirit to pray, and that's part of your armor, and you don't use it? We need to do this every day. You, do, you could do it on your way to work. You know, unless you carpool. You might not want to. With unbelievers, you carpool with believers, you could. You could all build yourselves up. Build yourself up. Look at verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. One simple question. If the greatest apostle that ever lived spoke in tongues and felt the need to, do you think you have a need to? I, I, I thank God is speaking tongues more than all of you. Verses 39 and 40. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently in order. Can I tell you something? We have focused so long on the decently and in order part that we forgot that it said, let them be done. Let all things be done, including tongues. Let them be done. And here's what it says right before that. It, the Bible expressly says, don't forbid to speak with tongues. Did you know that leaders today in the church actually forbid people to speak with tongues? And it's, it's, it, There's a direct scripture that says, don't do that. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. But when you do it, let it be done decently and in order. But let it be done. Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. What, what, what is the, um, what's the, what's the, uh, thing that, what, what do we have to do? The requirement for casting out demons and speaking with tongues, according to that verse, believe, believe. All right. Here's the fourth thing. It is a pure language. It is a pure language. Now, I'm going to show you something that the Lord showed me in my quiet time. I wasn't studying for a message. I was reading through the Bible in my quiet time, and I saw this. And it's one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in Scripture. Genesis 11, verse 1 says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. This is the Tower of Babel, the story of the Tower of Babel, all right? Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. All right, let's just think for a moment. What language was it? English, <laughs> Hebrew, this is before Abraham, and, 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 and there weren't any Jews at this time. God called Abraham out. He wasn't a Jew. He's the first, the father of the nation of Israel. What, 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 what language were they? Think about this now. What language did Adam and Eve speak in the garden? God creates them and gives them a language. Which language did he give them? The whole earth had this one language. The problem is that now they're fallen; They have a sinful nature. Yet they still have this language. Okay? Now now watch, watch. They start building a tower. I look at verses 5 and look at the start at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. This is important. They are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, listen, listen to this phrase carefully. Nothing that they propose to do with this language they have, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come. Let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel. Babel means confusion. Babylon means the city of confusion. Babylon, the city of confusion. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. You know another way to say that? From there the Lord created all the languages. But before that, they all had one language. And listen to me. Here is what hit me that day in my quiet time: They're trying to build a tower to heaven. Why didn't God let them? Why didn't He let them try? Think about it. Man, I mean, you ever, you know, you ever, um, you ever looked up at the stars? You ever, you ever, you ever been on an airplane? You ever? I've, Tom Hendricks is in the service. He's been an astronaut. Been in four space shuttle missions. Pretty high. Is it kind of high up there, Tom? They're trying to build a tower to heaven. Why why didn't God let them try? That's what hit me that day in my quiet time. Why didn't God let them try? Listen, this is why, because this is what he said. They could do it. They could do it. Nothing they proposed to do will be withheld from them. That's what God said. And the Lord said, here's what the Lord said, we better go down and take this language away from them. Because see, they've got this language that we gave Adam and Eve. And now Adam and Eve sinned. And now they have a fallen sin nature. And they don't need to keep this language with that sin nature. We're going to go down. We're going to take that language away. Because with their fallen sin nature, they can do it. With that language, that language makes them one. And with that language, anything they try to do, they can do. They can accomplish it with that language. So he goes down and he takes it away from them that day. Now, when I, again, in my quiet time that day, immediately I thought of another scripture and I had to look it up to find where it was. But I remembered this scripture. This is the scripture. Zephaniah 3.9. For then I will restore. Watch this and let it sink in on you. Then I will restore to the peoples, plural, a pure language that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. Do you see that verse? Notice he says, I'm going to restore it. Are you all awake? <laughs> if this isn't getting your, your uh, fire going, your wood's wet. <laughs> <laughs> then I will restore, not give, restore to the peoples a pure language. Do you realize that every language in the world has profanity? Every language in the world has profanity, but there's one language it doesn't. It's pure. It's the language of heaven. Then I'm going to restore. I took it away. I'm going to give it back. Then, and by the way, the whole book of Zephaniah is talking about when Jesus comes, not the second coming, but the first coming when the Messiah comes. He says, when, in other words, they have a fallen nature and they've got this language. They can't have that language with the fallen nature. But once I send my son and once I redeem them and once I change their nature, I can give them this language back. And this language will make them one and nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Look, look at Zephaniah 3.9 one more time. Look at the last phrase, to serve him with one accord. Look at the last two words, one accord to serve him with one accord. Do any of you remember where we started? Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? One accord in one place. And the Holy Spirit came, and they spoke with new tongues. Is this not good? I was praying one time with a friend of mine. He, uh, he was about to speak, and he said, you want to come back and pray with me before the service? And I said, yes, this was about 23 years ago. And uh, again, I had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but had not spoken with tongues because I had built up such a stronghold. I believe it is possible. I believe it is God's desire that we all speak with tongues immediately when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they did in the book of Acts, but many of us have built up such a doctrinal bias against it error against it that that many times there's a blockage in people's lives and i understand that so i would received the holy spirit and i knew i believed in the holy spirit and wanted not in my life but i hadn't spoken in tongues yet and so i go back to pray with this guy in the room before he's going to speak and we pray and he i pray and he prays and we're praying for the service and praying for the anointing of the holy spirit and all that then we got kind of quiet and then all of a sudden he started praying in tongues and i have to be honest with you he wasn't good I mean, I've heard some people that are good. They're they're good at it, you know. They're good. He wasn't good at it. It, He was bad. I mean, it was disjointed. It was sloppy. It was funny. I mean, it was funny to me. I mean, it was just, and and I remember thinking to myself, he's not very good at this, is he, Lord? And the Lord said to me, well, at least he's got the courage to try. At least he's got the courage to try, and you don't. It's not going to be this fluent language that comes out of you from day one. It's going to sound funny to you. But we're talking about opening your your mouth, moving your lips and your tongue, uttering sounds, and yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. It is a language. It is the language of the Spirit. It's a language that builds you up, and it's a pure language. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you, if you've never prayed in a prayer language, I want you this week in your prayer time to step out in faith. If the Bible says, I wish you did it, and when you do it, your spirit's praying, And I'm going to pray with the Spirit and with my understanding. And it builds us up. The way you build yourself up is praying in the Spirit. If you've never done it, step out in faith like everything else in the Christian life. If you need prayer after the service, we want to pray with you. But I'm asking you to step out in faith. Lord, I pray that every member of Gateway Church will pray in a prayer language. I pray, Lord, that they will allow their spirit to pray, that they will put on the whole armor of God, that they will build themselves up on their most holy faith in Jesus name.